Hello and welcome to the podcast podcast. I'm Podk and this is Asked. Thank you, Podk. I'm very asked to be here. Hey, Efka, do you know why it's called a podcast? Do you know I, where it comes from? I am absolutely sure you will tell me in just I will. a moment. I will. So, you know, like um, in Star Wars, yes. when they're like pod racing. Uh-huh, episode one. Episode one, absolutely. Yeah. You're the Star Wars. So they were trying to communicate with each other and tell each other stories. So they were broadcasting between each pod. As they were high speed as racing. As they were high speed racing. Yes. So it became a podcast. Right. Okay. And it's a bit like spam, like it's come from, you know, TV and film. It's one of those types of words. I am so confused. Do you feel more intelligent now? Y- yes, yes, Good. absolutely. I'm sure we'll hear more of these stories as we go along. But first, Elaine, before these enlightening stories about podcasts, we need to talk about board games. That's a good plan. What are we going to talk about today, Efka? Oh, lots and lots of board games today. <laughs> uh, even four board games. Wow. I know, that's a good number. And I'm sure that people will be excited to hear about such delights as Tim Fowers, Next Game, Sabotage. For like, The tagline for Sabotage was, when it launched on Kickstarter, a team asymmetrical roll and write hidden movement um something else game oh, I keep pro- a programming game programming catchy. game there we go uh they had to remove the roll and write through development i think that's, that's there is gone. no roll and write in the, the game yeah but but it's still got all the other elements mm-hmm. um we also going to talk about the very very exciting and tumultuous tapestry wow. because as usual for stonemeyer games it has Come into this world with some controversy. And a bang. That I don't think either you or me care about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Finally, not finally, two more games, two more games. We have Irish Gage, another title from Capstone Games. And it's it's sort of, I don't know, I, I started recently feeling bad about doing so many reviews, video reviews of uh-huh. Capstone games, but they just keep knocking it Shining out of the out. park. Good yeah, stuff. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Irish Gage... One of the good ones you'll have to listen to find well, out. I think I just gave that away. Sorry. Did you? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, last, please don't turn off the podcast. Last but not least, we'll learn about the joys of conveyor belts with chocolate factory. Ooh. I know it's delicious in presentation. Is it delicious in gameplay? Keep listening. Also, if you hear, talking of chocolate, uh, if you hear a gentle yang, 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 yang as we go along, that's the dog on my lap eating a chew bone. It's not me. It's made out of yak's milk, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, which I, I Solidified am... yak's milk. It's just so pleasant to say yak's milk. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but uh-huh. if you're listening at home, you can say together with me, yak's milk, and just feel the sort of awkward pleasantness of that phrase. Creamy. I think we should start with some, instead of talking about board games, mm-hmm. I think we should start with some very big, no pun included, news. I, I don't know how comfortable you feel talking about this, but I feel like we should keep our audience abreast of it's the things... It's not to do with breasts. Yeah, uh, of the things happening at No Pun Included. And uh, this is a big one, isn't it? Yeah, we how- will be... Moving. We will be moving. Uh, n- not, not only... So we're not leaving England... Uh, but we are leaving the immediate area of London, Harpenden, mm. which is where we've been living for nearly five years. Yeah, It's a long time. It's... And before that, we lived in Luton, so it wasn't yeah. that far away. No, it wasn't that far away. And that was another like 
five, five years, years or something uh-huh. like that. So we've been in this area for 10 years and we made a lot of friends. But uh, one of the things that happened, if, you, if you've been listening to our podcast and keeping up with us, then you might know that Elaine has recently gone part-time with No Pun Included. That was the goal of our Kickstarter. It finally happened. The problem is we don't feel like it happened because no. whilst you certainly have more time at home and you are putting more energy and effort mm. into No Pun Included, they've also actually increased the amount of workload you have at work in comparison to what you had before yeah. in the 37 and a half hours or whatever it is you yeah. did. And and now you have half of that in terms of hours and double of work than you did before. So it, it's, it's a sort of battle that we've kind of uh, not really cherished <laughs> mm. and we've come up with a solution the solution is to uh for you quit that job start working full-time for no pun included right. and also buying a house which is really frightening but um <laughs> that's it it's just really frightening it's just really frightening and i i think that's fair i think i think it's really awkward to talk about that especially for you because it involves you so much that i think that's why i kind of led the conversation for you Thanks, but Zefka. yeah you're welcome but I think it's good and and it's it's a big move obviously uh, and the only reason it's possible is that uh, we are moving up north where property is cheaper mm-hmm. but both of us are going to be doing this and I this is a, once again a ga- gradual process but mm. I feel like everything should come together in January hopefully by hopefully. the end of January by the end hopefully. of January yeah. yeah and you'll you'll see a very different no pun included from then onwards exciting yeah it's been a long time coming yeah um and i feel uh, yeah i feel kind of awful actually um because like i said in the last podcast you know like i thought okay right i'm going part-time that's it and we're gonna get so much stuff done and we haven't managed to to get that output going Mm, mm. um, because there's so many things like like with my increased workload and we just need the space and the time and I think this is going to be a really good move for us and a really good move for no pun included also yeah well we found a house that we really really like Mm -hmm. and uh it's actually going to have a lot of space that we think we can utilize really well Mm. so that just we're more efficient and more comfortable in the environment that we work in Mm -hmm. and also leaves us some actual living space where we live that everything is not just constantly surrounded by work so that we when we do need to power down we can feel like we are powering down Mm -hmm. and you know have a rest and a break and so we feel more fresh and ready yeah because i think it's taken a toll on our mental health oh absolutely yeah yeah and it's a hard thing to talk about but it, yeah it, you know i think if as long as we talk about it like you know normally and openly it's a thing we need to address with that bombshell <laughs> <laughs> shall we now talk about i think that's smart that's that's why people yeah. are here let's let's deliver the goods shall we talk about chocolate I love chocolate, but will I love Chocolate Factory, Elaine? Well, that remains to be seen. Or or not really, because you've played it, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell us more about the conveyor belt joy that is this game? Mm. Mmm. Mmm-mm. Chocolate Factory is a game where you are trying to build up a chocolate factory as the name suggests um and by doing that wait let me guess you're you 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 build it with chocolate it's no it's not a factory made of chocolate that is a common misconception Mm -hmm. um no you are trying to willy wonka your way into making a delicious delicious chocolates but pounds delicious delicious pounds pounds. that's yeah Yeah. that's the point really that's the 
that's the goal. Um, but you're trying to make chocolates and sell those chocolates to either corner shops or department stores uh, in order to get money and win the game. Uh, the way you do that is by building up your factory. You employ a worker and you get different factory parts and they upgrade your chocolates. Well, one of the weird things about chocolate factory for me was immediately that when you described the rules to me of the mm. game uh you're like okay there's a conveyor belt and each turn you're gonna load in free conveyor belt tiles into the, pushing all the other mm -hmm. tiles through the conveyor belt mm -hmm. system and on each of them you'll put a cocoa bean uh -huh. you know and that one cocoa bean as it goes through the conveyor belt uh -huh. will gradually become better and better chocolate uh -huh. I realized very quickly, I think that's the first thing I said when you taught the rules. I was like, wait a minute, only one of these, you know, the first tile that you load in af after, you know, out of the three yeah. is actually going to come out by the end of this uh -huh. round. All the other tiles are still going to be stuck in production during the round, whereas you score points at the end of every round from the chocolate that you've made and you can't right. really keep a lot of chocolate in between rounds so there was like, aha, here's the puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. And it is surprising mm -hmm. that I figured this out before the game even started. But how many times this has foiled me <laughs> through the course of the game? Because I was like, dang it, I forgot. I'm not going to actually get this uh -huh. job until the next round. I kind of worked out that I can't really count to three or i can't work out yeah. where it's gonna end even though it's only three tiles is it gonna come out or is it not or where is it gonna end in my factory i have no idea i think that was the most surprising thing because a game that oh it has really nice wooden pieces and you know really nice presentation mm. it looks i don't want to use the word twee but it does look a little bit a little twee. Bit. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know like nice wooden chocolate pieces and some of it's like caramel so it's in the shape of a yellow candy mm. in a candy wrapper and mm. some of it is a blue hexagon that's which means box of chocolates yeah that this is what i've learned even though traditionally a box of chocolates in england is i'm not sure if it's a hexagon i think it's well, like maybe you, an octagon or something buy, like that if you buy those quality street but yeah the purple they're not blue right they are purple yeah there you but go maybe that's copyright uh, i don't know maybe I that see. color is copyright maybe maybe purple like, hexagons are just the button yeah maybe. anyway it's surprising how much this game wasn't about chocolate <laughs> and just learning what utter think, hell conveyor belts are. I think are. the thing that surprised me the most is that if at any point you run out of coal f to power your <laughs> your factory parts, you can convert the processed chocolate back into coal. Uh -huh, <laughs> like you can uh -huh. just chuck the chocolate that you've spent time and energy like making in from a bean yeah. into like a box of chocolates. You just chuck the box of chocolates back into the furnace and like power more chocolates. Like... <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. I thought I thought the justification for that is like, well, you sell the chocolate probably at like cheap price and then yeah. just trade it to Coleman for coal, you know, like Coleman. Yeah, yeah. well, people who yeah, sell no, I the coal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't have a better name for them. No, they they are called Coleman. Okay, it was, it's just a just a twee again. <laughs> I'm I'm winning at my English. Um, so so one of the things that really kind of immediately felt a juxtaposition and tugging at each side of the game mm. is the whole system so you one of one of the elements of the game is the conveyor belt and right. it's incredibly deterministic because you have a cocoa bean mm -hmm. and it goes onto a tile and that tile mm -hmm. goes into the conveyor belt and then as your conveyor belt goes through your factory there's various spaces 
with different machines. And the machines yeah. are basically, well, if you spend two coal, you can convert this cocoa bean into maybe a bar of chocolate. A bar of chocolate. Or if you have a better one, you know, maybe free coal and it will convert it into two caramel pieces, yeah. which are better than a bar of chocolate. And Well, it depends on which orders you're filling. But yeah, in the sequence of... Chocolates. This is a hierarchy of hierarchy chocolates. Of yes, chocolates. yes. We've learned that, that first it's chocolate bars. No, first it's beans. First it's beans. Then it's a chocolate chunk. Then it, yeah. <laughs> then it's chocolate bars. Why not just make the bars to begin with? I don't know. You, you make a chunk and then somehow out of that chunk, you spread it out into an entire chocolate bar. There I you guess because you're covering... Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of parts. Yeah. And... They, they, as it moves along, it becomes better and better and better things. Yeah. So it's an ancient building game, effectively, yeah. right? And this part is incredibly deterministic. But then before this part happens, during every round, there's a sort of draft. Yeah. And I say sort of draft because there's some more complicated rules to it. But by saying it's a draft People where you effectively draft two cards, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of it. And if you're not familiar with what a draft is, it's basically... I get some cards, I pick one, I pass them along, someone else picks from that parcel that I passed along, and so on and goes. Here it's a little bit different and it's a little bit... Because you're not passing them along. Yeah. You just pick a pile of cards mm -hmm. uh, and then you, you choose one from those cards. But So the other players don't get the option of having anything from the bunch that you've picked. Exactly. And uh, there's two things you pick. You pick one new machine that goes into your factory, so that's the part that converts, and then you pick a worker that does something only for that round. Yeah. And these workers uh, sometimes are really funny because it'll say, like, oh, at the end of the turn, choose one chocolate, like, anywhere on the conveyor, and double what you have. Mm. And the name of that card is a packer, which means there's a person somewhere in the factory that only packs half the chocolate into each box. <laughs> like breaks them in half. Yeah. Depending on which worker you get, uh, you can only fulfill orders for certain department stores. Yes. So, you, yeah, that that's kind of a, a choice that you have. Um, I I did also, like, the, the programming element of it, that that bit is the bit that confused me the most. Yeah, uh, but because it's... Because you have to sequence your machinery correctly because you can only use the machinery once per shift. Mm. Uh, you get three shifts per day, and there yeah. are six days for the course, the course of the game. Of the game. Yeah, which is six rounds, effectively. Well, that, that part is delightful. It's an incredibly robust, deterministic puzzle. But mm. then the draft makes it really, really weird, because you never know what's going to come out, and yeah. the draft is always... The worker part is always something that happens with this round, yeah. and affects where some of the places where you can deliver, and... The machine part is something that's going to last you through the course of the game, right? Yes. And because they just basically come out from a giant pile of cards in both mm -hmm. cases, I found it very, very hard to actually plan in this yeah. game. Because I never knew what's going to come out in the future and whether I'm going to be in a position to actually... Even if it comes out, I'm going to be in a position to grab that thing mm. and make it a part of my engine. And I, I feel like that sort of is at odds with the deterministic part of the game. And it's strange because there's a there's just this element that's really nice and clean and not complicated but complex and you have to put in the, a lot of the, thought and effort. Yeah, the conveyor belt part, yeah. yeah. And 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 the rest of it just adds such a strong layer of uncertainty and 
I don't want to use the word randomness, but it is for all intents and purposes that. I mean, there is some randomness, but at least you're picking from several cards. Yeah. So you can kind of have some kind of plan. You know mm. what orders you need to fulfill. Yes. Um, and those orders stay there permanently. They don't like go at the end of the day. They, they stay there until you fulfill them. Mm. So you know what you need to do. Mm. How do you do it? And if you make the wrong chocolate, you can chuck it back in the furnace. It's fine. I want to say I liked Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. but I definitely am not in love with it because there's there's an element of, of it being fairly simple, which is nice because it's not hard to explain. Mm. And it has a really nice aesthetic and presentation. And the rule book is really good. Good. That's really nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it has this really complex deterministic part, but then it also has this wonky draft that is I, n- I never often felt like i was in control of it or i feel like um if there wasn't that those picking of the cards mm-hmm. then or and adding that extra element like by the workers or mm-hmm. or whatever it would be very rote you would yes. be doing the same thing over and over Absolutely. and over again whereas that like you said you know it does add some randomness but not like crazy randomness yeah but yeah like some extra element of hey, look, you can do this, this round, and the other player can do this, this round, which changes up the game a little bit. For more crazy randomness, stay tuned to this podcast. I might be tipping a hat towards our opinions about one of the games we're going to be talking about later. (laughs) Once again, I really want to say I enjoyed Chocolate Factory, but I didn't feel like it was a game that pulled at my heartstrings like chocolate does. And I'm not sure... (laughs) I'm I'm not sure that, you know, a lot of people who are really into chocolate are maybe going to gel with the deterministic part of the game because it's really it's really punishing to make chocolate as it turns out. And once you get a card like Coal Miner, which, you know, doubles your coal or not doubles your coal, it like adds extra coal uh-huh. for the round because the coal you have is always very limited yeah. and it progresses as the game goes on. So you have more machines, but you get more coal to power those machines and then hopefully your output increases. But at first you feel like, I made one candy, yes! You know, <laughs> what can I do with it? Save it for the next round. Okay. And and then suddenly... Yeah, it's definitely a slow start. Yeah, it's definitely uh-huh. a slow starting game. It kind of ramps up, but it really trudges along. And, and I've noticed myself... Because you do the conveyor belt, uh, conveyor belt part simultaneously. You can do. You, that's you an can. option. So yeah. we did it simultaneously. And but I, you can do it. I think you absolutely you should because all you're doing there is just sitting, looking at your player board and going, ah, <laughs> how do I do this? I don't I, know. I remember I like when we played, I redid my turn three times because i was like okay i need to make this can i make this oh yeah this is how i do it boom 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 oh no i've i've sequenced poorly here like let me redo that again like so i took everything off did it again went okay i can do it now wait no i've still done it wrong to get and i was like making you wait for ages while i like tried to think out my turn for the best and then i worked out i actually couldn't do the thing that i wanted to do anyway yeah so that's chocolate factory in a nutshell Please don't eat your pieces. This has been a no pun included public service announcement. Let's move on to another board game. Elaine, I really want to talk about Tim Fowers' roll and ride team asymmetric something, something, programming something. hidden movement game, Sabotage. Listen all yo. So appropriate to say in a podcast, isn't it? I'm really enamored by Sabotage. So if you haven't seen pictures of Sabotage, I recommend you do because my God, what a fantastic production. So Tim Powers is known for having 
little boxes, mm. small packages. He's a man that distributes all his games himself. You know, has has a sells all his games himself directly from his mm-hmm. website. I'm not sure if uh, maybe some hobby stores hold his mm-hmm. uh, titles, but I I am not aware of that. For that reason, I think he's always made boxes that are very small, very compact, mm. and you know, very condensed because the amount of stuff you get in burgle brothers for mm. example you know which barely is barely fits in the box yeah if you remember if you remember magic fat packs it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly the same box size and wow it, it's just completely fully loaded with game it is not part of the deck master series though no unfortunately not i don't think tim powers has the license for no. the deck master series but pity um <laughs> But Sabotage is very much not that. It is a giant, it's gigantic a huge box. And box. And the box is part of the game. Yes, which is cool because, so much like in Battleship, you will need a screen between the two teams where mm. you're playing the spies versus the villains mm. in kind of a Bond esque, cartoonish pastiche. Uh, More like sort of wacky races or something. Like it's yeah, not yeah, really yeah. Bond. That's... Well, it's it's Bond mixed with wacky races. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I would say. You know, because the villains are very much you know there's a there's a man like holding Danger a cat, Mouse or yeah. a bald <laughs> man thing. with with a monocle uh-huh. who has a cat. Come uh-huh. on, that's that's Bond uh-huh. if ever there was Bond. Or Inspector Gadget. Or Inspector Gadget. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so you'll need a screen between these two teams of spies and villains, and that box out to become a screen mm-hmm. and if you are the villain on the villain side of the artwork of the box you're like the inside of the box juts out so it's a really nice place to actually like put all your stuff in that needs mm. to be hidden like tokens and some reference cards so uh both of the members of the team can see and if you're on the spy side you don't get that <laughs> but that's okay first of all I, i'm really in love with the artwork in sabotage because even though it's the same artist, I want to say Ryan Goldsberry. I think that's his that name. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, that did that does all the artwork for Tim Powers games. This one's a lot more vibrant and colourful. I think it's quite reminiscent of Burgle Brothers. It is. It yeah. is absolutely. And the miniatures, whilst completely superfluous in some ways, I think are very nicely done. They have this cartoonish theme going on. So if you're looking for the you know super detailed Games Workshop or Simon stuff, that's <clears throat> that's not the type of miniature no. you're getting. But you're getting Really nice sculpts of cartoonish villains the or spies. The only complaint that I have about the, the minis is that two of them look very, very similar. Yes, and that's they're, true. And they're grey, so unless you paint them, then you could... And you played the, those two characters, you could mm. get very confused. Which I'm tempted to do, because I think we're definitely going to be doing a video review of Sabotage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so I'm really tempted to paint those miniatures, but obviously can't until we do the video. And then after we do the video because we're board game reviewers we're not likely to play it as much so so it'll be but you really liked it so I, you probably will you're you're giving Am it I away Elaine. but um yeah i don't know do you know what so honestly uh i know we haven't really explained what sabotage is yet we've just been talking about the aesthetics mm. but i i'm so enamored by the aesthetics mm. that i think that's okay uh i'm not sure yet mm. whether sabotage is just overwrought nonsense oh yeah or it might just be absolutely genius and uh before we actually start making a video review uh, we definitely need to play it some more because there's some very interesting things going on there so what you get is like in battleship you get the same map right 
uh, on both sides. And this is a strictly two versus two game, although there is a mode where two players can play as the spies against an app which plays the Mm. villains, right? So as the spies, you are trying to infiltrate the villains' headquarters, and as the villains, you're trying to catch them, which means as the spies, you're going to be trying to be hidden away, although both teams are hidden. Even though you're moving on the facsimile of the same map on both sides, you don't see... Neither of the teams see the placement of the other player's miniatures because it's blocked by a screen. And as the spies you are meant to be disabling doomsday devices. Mm -hmm. And there's three doomsday devices with four red cubes on them each. And the brilliant part is that the doomsday devices are, of course, also 3D plastic miniatures with the red cubes perfectly slotting into the doomsday device. It's very satisfying. Yeah. If you get rid of eight of those 12 and pass them on to the other side, you win the game. Whereas the villains need to find the spies and zap them with a stun gun or whatever else five times and if they do that uh they win the game <laughs> or blow them up with dynamite yeah or blow them up with dynamite and <laughs> this is where the real beauty and the theme of the game comes through because once you zap a spy for example they have to parachute back onto the board <laughs> i don't know this there's a lot of quirk and charm in this game and i really like it uh, but essentially this is a this is a programming game where you are yeah. s- simultaneously setting actions for both sides yeah so you're all one person rolls dice Mm -hmm. uh, and then everybody has to use those numbers that come up and you use those to program the actions that you want to do yeah and one of the cool things that immediately tells you how the game plays is uh the spies action which is move and scan Mm. so the cool part is that each tile of the action that you do and there are a lot of different actions Uh, But each tile tells you whether you need to announce that you're doing this action or can you just do the action and keep stum and make the other players on the other side not aware that you're doing anything at all. So, But they know you're doing something. Yes. But but they don't know what necessarily. But the move and scan, uh, which is one of the basic Mm. actions in the game, is brilliant because it tells you you can move. You don't have to announce that you move. But then you have to scan and you have to announce that you're scanning, right? Mm -hmm. So when a spy scans, like, you're kind of, okay, they moved somewhere, right? And what scanning does is basically you pick a row or a column or a quadrant of the map and say, are any villains there? And then the villains go, yes. And if they are, then you're sort of aware of the villains positioning. But also the villains then become aware that you are either in that row or column or that Mm. quadrant. Unless, of course... The spies have upgraded their action tiles and got access to Thermo, which Mm. is an action that doesn't make you move. Mm. It does let you scan, but it lets you scan anywhere on the board, Mm. not where you are. So whenever you use Thermo, you're kind of signaling that you have moved Mm. and where you are, but you're actually, you haven't moved and you're not there at all. And I think that confused us a few times as the villains. Well, that's why I think this game might potentially be bunk or genius, Uh right? Because I haven't figured out whether if you play this game enough that like you can get so good at this game that you can suss out exactly what's happening, right? Because when everyone learns, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember teaching you this game and you Uh were like, huh, what? How how does this work, right? Even the basic actions are really hard to keep track of. Mm. And... You know, you really have to employ a lot of deduction and, you know, logics and figuring out what is it that the other team is actually up to. 
when you get to the upgraded tiles, like rocket launchers and dynamites, w even though you know, right, that the other team might have access to those upgraded mm. tiles, you are never quite ready. So it becomes this zany free-for-all where, like, all, all the spies and villains get absolute superpowers. Right, because the upgrades, there's a choice of upgrades. So mm. you don't know which one they're going to have upgraded to. Yeah. So have they upgraded to the dynamite or whatever or have they upgraded to something else mm. i don't think you could necessarily work out exactly what someone else is gonna do you know what their options are mm -hmm. but you don't know which they will have done yeah but i'm wondering can you get good enough to even anticipate everything right because there are so many options in the game and you don't know what's available to the other players but the yeah. there is there are so few squares that you could move to on the mm -hmm. map the map is so small yes. that I don't think you can ever escape everything. Mm -hmm. So you can never be in a square that, okay, nothing can reach me. Like I, I roughly know where uh, the villains or the spies or whatever, whatever team you're not playing are on mm. the map and I'm roughly where they are. So if, I be, if I'm here, nothing can touch me. I don't think there is a square that does that. No, but so let me tell you about an example of a game of sabotage I played that you weren't in, okay. right? Uh, so... This was me already a little bit experienced with the game, right? Mm -hmm. And I played as the villains against the spies. Uh -huh. So normally what the spies need to do, they need to do a hack action on the space they are on. And when they hack it, you know, they get to hack the doomsday device, for example. There's other things they can hack as well. Uh, and that's one eight. Doomsday device. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a I giant know. laser. Yeah, it is a giant laser. So they need to hack the giant laser and they do that eight times they win, right? But whenever they do that, they immediately give away their position, mm. right? And that's with the basic hack right. action. Of course, one of the uh, spies was playing the hacker character, uh -huh. right? Which gets access to this token that they can drop on a space and then every round that token on its own hacks whatever that is mm. that is obviously bonkers right mm. and as the villain you if you figure that out you know uh you you obviously can disable that token yeah but i was still playing at that basic level of the game of like well they can move and scan and maybe they have thermo and you know they can hack where they are and of course by the end of the game that is completely appended right mm. and i think this game is genius mm. if you can if playing enough of this game right you can get Two versus two, you know, the same people, they can get so mm. good at it that it's a real cat and mouse game. Mm. And if it is, this will replace games like Captain Sonar for me. Wow. Yeah, this will replace wow. any hidden movement game for me. I think this game is will be brilliant, right? But I think the thing that tells me that maybe Sabotage is great is that I'm not sure it matters if you can get to that. Mm. You know, is it... I, what I'm trying to figure out, is it just a frustrating experience? You know, because at the end of the day, you can't control anything that's happening. It's just kind of a zany free-for-all at that very last bit, right? Or, yeah. or okay. is it just a lot of fun regardless because the theme is so bright and vibrant and cheerful and funny? Well, no, because I, I don't think even if a theme is clever, yeah. if the game is bunk, then... It's still a miserable experience. That's, I don't think that is what tips it. Mm. Like I generally don't like hidden movement games because I find them incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I I bimble about the map and and like you know you've lost the plot at one point. Like no, I I always know I've lost mm. the plot at one point, and I know they've escaped 
or whatever and I'm never going to find them and I at that point I kind of just give up but because this was hidden for both sides yes you were chasing around each other and f- and again because the map was small mm. I never felt like gosh they're so far away I'm never going to be able to get them and because they give away their uh, location all at the time times, yeah all, um, both sides do. and and it's yeah. not impossible to reach them once they do so whereas mm. in something like um what's it called letters from Whitechapel, i yeah. think you know that jack the ripper murders someone mm-hmm. but you might be so far away at that point that by the time you get there you know he's he's completely gone whereas in this you know that they're somewhere mm-hmm, that you're mm-hmm. going to be able to get to. And even if they've moved by then, they still can't be that far away. And and if you've got something like dynamite or whatever that, that does multiple squares, then you're probably going to be able to get them at some point. Well, I think every time I've played Sabotage, there is that satisfying... Like, I'm, I'm not sure whether we outplayed each other mm. but the game does reach a satisfying conclusion because we do get those uber powers mm. and then everything just blows up mm. and i think that's fun i'm not sure qu- quite if i figured out whether this one and the reason i think i'm not so sure is because unlike all tim fowers yeah other games they're so clean and you just get into them and it makes sense right yeah. sabotage has a barrier of learning oh and, for sure yeah, yeah it, it is different and because it's different it's a bit confusing Mm. and it's certainly not a game that's going to go down with people who haven't been playing board games much because there's a lot of concepts that you need to explain you know that tagline joke as it may be you know that oh like this is a hodgepodge of things but it is a hodgepodge of things and those things are board game concepts that people you know gradually get to introduce to through other games Mm. whereas here they're all just like there front loaded and in a package that's not intuitive even to people who've played a lot of board games no i think that's true Yeah. yeah but i think if you've played battleships and you've played maybe a hidden movement like i don't think you will have had to have played that many games mm. maybe it's, it's not a good first <laughs> game to pop out to no, people if they've never played not. board yeah. games but i think once you've got some of the concepts of other types mm. of games then you could jump into it i know i you're right i was confused when you first yeah told us how to play because there's so many little bits there's this cube that does this and this cube that does that and when do i when can i do this i don't mm. know but once we'd played like around i was like oh that's how that works so i think you're right it does take a little bit of getting into um but ultimately it's it's worth it rest assured that by the time our video review comes out we'll have played this enough to have a definitive conclusive opinion Mm. on whether sabotage is genius or maybe not quite genius enough talking about games that are genius genius like that octopus that can uh predict the future Mm, mm. what you know the one that can predict the football scores like the octopus with esp people are like he's a genius no he's just an octopus i have no idea what you're talking about getting lucky i i am are there any octopuses in ireland 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 yes um probably in tanks okay well then that's a perfect segue towards irish gauge (laughs) there are trains in ireland there are trains which is what this game is there you go. There's trains in Ireland from genius to octopus to trains. I think Irish Gage is 
astoundingly brilliant for how simple it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's something we can immediately qualify towards that game. Uh, so Irish Gage is a little game from Capstone Games. It's part of their first f- first title in their um, Iron Rail series, Ooh. I believe. Yeah. First of all, I was really looking forward to this because of the Ian O'Toole artwork, who happens to be from Ireland and has done the artwork for this very green Irish game. And Ireland looks really pretty in it. Uh, and mm-hmm. it is a game about trains and laying track in Ireland. And there's stocks and you buy stocks in auctions. So, kind of starting to sound like an 18xx game. It's not. But, if you've never played an 18xx game, and you're afraid of big, giant, impenetrable, scary rulebooks, and you want to get an idea of Mm. what an 18xx experience might be like, then this will give you a little sprinkling Mm. of of what that experience is. Yeah, it felt to me like an 18xx game light. Having only played one eighteen XX game, so yeah. I don't know. But the the rule book is two sides of A four, so it is. Yeah, so you really shouldn't be scared. The rules are no. incredibly simple. Uh, even though we got them wrong. <laughs> even though the first time we played them, we got them wrong. But I have more to say about that, actually. Mm. So uh, I played this game twice. I played it once with the correct rules, and once with you when I played it with the rules that made the game harder. I asked that specific question and you were like, no, 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 that's not how it plays. I was like, oh, okay, that doesn't make that much sense, but sure, okay. And then you were like, oh, no, wait. (laughs) Thanks for smashing my credibility. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, Everyone makes mistakes. You can cut that bit out. It happens. (laughs) It happens, okay? So, okay, Irish Gage. It's uh, a game where you're going to start off there's a bunch of companies, there's five different companies, and everyone's going to buy some shares in those companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, those shares are going to be auctioned off. And so you start the game with some shares in a train company that is of a specific color. So let's say I have a share in yellow. Elena has a share in red. Tom has a share in blue and purple. And Rob has a share in, what's the other color? Orange. There Orange. you go. There we go. So yeah, there's five companies. Let's say four people are playing. Someone maybe will win two shares. Someone will maybe at the start of the game will not have a share at all. That is a possibility. Because you have an option whether you want to yeah. bid for a share or not. No, and then if everyone spent their money and you haven't, you can start another auction, which is one of the uh, actions in the game. You can start another auction and keep buying more shares. And that bit felt really clever. Yeah. Because you just waited for everyone else to spunk their money on random Mm -hmm. stuff and Mm. then you were like aha i'm gonna get the thing i really want now yeah because no one else has got any money so like an 18xx game you start the game with shares in a company and then you think aha i'm gonna build track in that company and as that track increases across the map and connects many different multiple cities Mm. it's going to you know cash me in a lot of irish dough or uh well it's pounds in the game but it would be euros now wouldn't it yeah well yeah yeah and of course as the game progresses as in any game with stocks that changes because the very clever bit in the game so let's say i am connecting three cities right with my truck and that pays out 12 pounds let's say right and if i'm the only person who has shares in that company even though i only have one share it will pay out the full 12 pounds mm. to me but and, but let's say someone else auctions a share in the company that i own and wins that auction and that person isn't me right 
they will have half of that company's proceedings. So the next time that track that I've built up that made me 12 pounds is now only going to be making me six pounds because the other person is taking my six, six pounds. pounds away. And the real clever part is that when the auction for that chair comes up, you're like, well, I should bid for it because I'll have two shares in my company. But of course, if you do win, you spend money on it rather than buying a share in a different company. Mm. But you're not going to be getting any more money. Well, there's there's a chance if you have a lot of shares, they'll pay out signi- like a slight, slight portion more money because you always divide and pay out per share. And the dividing has a rounding up thing that's happening. And I think we're getting too deep. Yeah, we are getting. I'm. I'm getting very waffling. Very nerdy about uh-huh. trains, aren't uh-huh. I? And shares. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that it's a game that is as simple as that. Basically, you're laying track. Uh, you're, you're buying shares and laying track, and then hoping that those train tracks connect and get you money. Yeah, exactly. And then seeing who buys shares in what company and, you know, as as you're making money, where should you invest it? Mm. Yeah. And there's little extra bonuses that if you build your track across the map to certain cities, then you get extra money. And those are quite important sometimes because mm. there, there were moments in the game where uh, if I timed it right, I could let someone build a lot of track and if I had the right amount of money mm. at the right moment, I just could buy in shares into that company. And then when they complete that bonus, they're going to have done a lot of work towards that bonus. But I'm going to I'm going to share the victory with them. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a game of opportunities. It plays out speedily quick. And it could play out even quicker because there is an action where you draw cubes from the bag. The cubes are in three different colours, black, white and pink. Mm-hmm. Um, and those determine which cities will pay out, which tracks. Yeah, because which... the cities are also black, white and white pink. White and pink. Yeah. Um, and you draw out three each time and there are only a limited amount of cubes in the bag. So if everyone keeps doing that action, then the game will end. Because, because that's the be game's no timer. Yeah. Left, right? Yeah. So it could end really quick. And there are such funny moments when you you like uh, you buy in a company, and that company is very good at connecting two cities with black cubes, yeah. right? And you're like, aha, I'm going to connect them. They're very close to each other. They're going to start paying out. And then, then someone dips into the bag, and you always draw three cubes. And, draws... and they draw two pink and a white. <laughs> well, they draw two pink and a white. Or even funnier, they draw three black cubes because they're not going to score oh, three true. times. Yeah. They're only going to score one time, but three black cubes out of the bag are gone, mm. meaning those cities are going to mm. score much less frequently and going to pay out much less frequently. Mm. And I think this is a perfect example. There's a lot of moments like that in the mm. game where you could get really mapping, really nerdy really about probabilities. Clever. Yeah. Uh, where I think people are going to fall off of it or get really into it, right? Because I think you have to have a table to really enjoy Irish Gage of people... Do you mean a table like a spreadsheet table? No, I mean of people, you know? Uh, (laughs) A table of people who are really into that sort of naffy probability stuff and and auctions and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. And even though it's a really light game... Compared to an 18xx game. Oh, yeah. Mm. Compared to most games, to be honest, right? Mm. There's like four actions in the game and three of them are blisteringly simple. Mm. And one of them is a little bit more complicated, which is the drawing dividends and, Mm. you know, how the rails connect and stuff like that. But even then, it's, it's not super complex. I would say if you played something... You know, midway to Euro, like Istanbul, right? Mm. This is 
a quarter of its heft. Yeah, but for such a light game, it has so many decisions that you have to make. And particularly if you do want to do that maths. If yes. You, if you do it and you work out, okay, this, I can afford this if I invest into this track. Mm. And then if these shares pay out, this is how much I will get. And then I can reinvest that. Yeah. Like if you do that maths, there are so many things so many options and a lot of them are funny because you might think you are doing the right thing but there's there's an element of luck in the game as well because of the what cubes come out yeah or what the other person people are going to do let's say like you you thought out the perfect plan but you missed one detail and the person that's next to you on the table has spotted like oh okay you didn't buy that chair i'm gonna put that chair to auction and then you're like oh no i just spent all my money of course i made the most horrible mistake and as if you have a table of people who recognize you know Mm. the subtleties of what's going on it's a riot people are laughing you know i could equally see this being just a dull moment of placing trains Mm. and you know like placing drawing cubes from a bag and and it, the game just kind of Well, if you're going to play with dull people, then... Well, no, but not, not, not everyone's excited about stocks and trains. Do you know what and I mean? And cubes. And cubes, yeah. And I mean, if you're not excited about stocks, trains and cubes, then what are you doing at the table? Yeah. Um, and Ireland. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's one more critique of mm-hmm. Irish Gage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it loses a little bit of something... Mm. In the rule book, actually. And I think there must have been a certain element of pride in designing such a clever game that fits onto an A4 sheet of paper, right? And and mostly teaches you the game. There are a few elements. Like we said, we played the game wrong the first time. Because I think the rule book is confusingly worded, right? Okay. And and not only that, like some of it is a bit murky. And I think actually it could have done with a few more rules examples Ex- definitely examples yeah. examples would have been absolutely necessary but also maybe a few more rules to, to tighten up the game end mm. because we kind of every time we played we sort of reached a moment where oh it's a bit clear who's going to win i think mm. and or it's a bit clear that i'm not going to win right. but i still have to do things mm. and and so that there were moments where for some people game and felt very anticlimactic right like it just kind of reached a point of conclusion before it concluded if that makes sense that's the same in in a lot of games potentially i don't think that's a particular issue with irish gauge no i just think because if you play if you play a lot of euros then there is generally a point for me where i'm like okay i'm not gonna win this yeah okay but i i think maybe because the rest of irish gauge is so good and so tight Mm. that that feels a lot more pronounced where you're you're having such a great time you know everything's just you know i'm sorry for the analogy but running like a speedy locomotive right Mm -hmm. and and you're just chugging along and then you know the choo-choo you know and then suddenly you're kind of like sorry what was that choo-choo you know and and it just kind of slows down and it's like oh okay we've arrived at our destination i guess but i see it over there i see i see the train stop over there it's like 50 meters away but for some reason the train has stopped and I have and, to get out and walk the rest of the way. Well, no, the doors aren't opening. Oh, no. Right? I have to... <laughs> and the buffet cart is now closed. Yeah, I have to wait at the door until it decides to start going again and just 
lets me disembark uh-huh. right that's like when the bus is stuck in traffic and you're like well can i just get off here and he's like no no i must stop at the designated stop yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah near perfection irish gauge but if you are looking for that zany fun train experience with stocks and chairs you know i can't believe i just said those words uh-huh. irish gauge is that i really enjoyed it and also uh a couple of things we have to mention because mm. i think uh some ooh, it's pouring down with rain yes. uh some people might lynch us if we don't so the first printing of irish gauge Came with a stain on the board. Oh, no. Oh, no. We, we really don't care. But no. especially because I think the game... I'm sorry. I'm showing my, my privilege here because we just got a review copy. But I think the game is like £30 or something like that. It's really cheap. It's really pretty. Mm. And I believe if you haven't got it yet, then the subsequent printings will have fixed the stain on the board. And there's a little error on the there's like a, a, table, a table a table of values yeah. how to split shares and stuff like that and one of the numbers has an Is error incorrect, incorrect. Yeah. but a sticker would fit that or a biro i, I don't want to put a biro or a sticker on my board <laughs> i'm going to use my memory elaine Are to you? remember okay. that that math in that one spot under 14 splitting free shares even remember it right now don't uh-huh, even have to look uh-huh, it up uh-huh. under 14 <laughs> splitting free shares right i mean I that, would, that's I not would... a six that's a five Okay, there we go. Fine. See, I mean, I would biro it. I would never biro that board. It's whatever. too beautiful. I mean, it is. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. But like, if it helps me play the game, then okay. I will okay. always remind you. Well, you will not have that issue. No. Okay. There you go. Okay. As always, I'd like to remind our listeners that if you have any questions or any concerns or want to say anything at all, you can always leave a comment on our podcast's website, which is nopunincluded.com slash podcast find the requisite episode leave a comment start a conversation others will that's, join in that's not the earl that's not the earl the, the no. url no, no the, not, like, not the full thing it's no. just no pun included dot com slash podcast yes that's, that's it. it that's it and then and then the rest were just things i was saying uh if you want to leave a comment or ask a question we would absolutely love that we love reading comments and getting questions and engaging a conversation engaging yes. no that's not the right word starting a conversation and then it will flow along and we will have like as, as some sort of a, a map of people's conversations you might even call it a tapestry that's creepy but is sure. it okay uh well talking about tapestries that are not at all creepy let's talk about the new surprise hit from stonemaier games designed by jamie stegmeier owner of stonemaier games tapestry which is a game about civilizations which is a game not at all about civilizations because it is civilization themed but i i think a lot of a lot of the comments about the game have so far been this isn't really like civ at all well no it's not it's it's a different kind of game would you like to tell us more about it tapestry feels like a game of of two halves really like so because you have a central board where you are uh building up your influence over an area Mm -hmm. and you're putting down tiles uh to build a map yes um from from your starting area Mm -hmm. and then you've also got your own like personal player boards Mm -hmm. uh one of which is like a tetris puzzle where you have to try and fill up the gaps like Mm -hmm. cottage garden or (laughs) One of those kinds of games. Baron Park, Baron Park, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, there's a, a scythe bit 
uh, which mm. is a previous Stonemaier games game designed by James Stegmaier, uh, where there's things that are placed on your player board and as you take them off... You get different bonuses yes, at the end of the round. Exactly. But m- most importantly and crucially, uh, the, the key mechanism of Tapestry is, is the four tracks that are surrounding mm. the main board yes. of the game. So you have military, science... science. Technology, which is different from science and, yeah. as you mentioned, yes, exploration. Mm. The predominant part of the game takes place on these four tracks. As mm. you advance on one of them, you will advance onto a symbol. One of the many, 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 many... There are the, a lot of symbols. Of the cornucopia of symbols. Uh, Tapestry, that, you might say. You might even say. Uh, it, it will do a thing. And, and that thing could be... One of a myriad of things that happens in this game, and I th- and they will all influence those boards that we just spoke about. Yeah, and there's a certain theme to 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 every one of the tracks. So, for example, the military track will frequently let you place outposts onto the main map of the world, mm. which increases the size of the territory you control. Or the exploration uh, board will once again let you place tiles where to place those outposts mm. onto the main map of the board. Science is random rolls of dice that lets you advance on other tracks or its own track and sometimes get the yes. bonus of where you advance and sometimes not get the bonus, which can be incredibly infuriating. Yeah, and each of the different tracks uh, kind of predominantly have one building type yes. attached to them. Yes, which are the buildings on your player boards, which when they come off, they'll reveal bonuses. Yeah, right. Yeah, and potentially scoring opportunities. And honestly, describing Tapestry on a podcast is a nightmare because so many things happen in it and so many of them are different. And we made sure... I think this podcast is fair to say is our initial impressions of games and then we, we, we do a yeah. video review. That's a that's like a proper review of the game. We really absolutely had to make sure we played it at least twice before we even talked about it on the podcast because... Mm. The very first game of Tapestry, as simple as its rules are, because most of the rules are you advance one space on one of the tracks of your choice, pay the resources, and then the thing happens. Uh, we we had to make sure that we were more familiar with the game because so many different things happen mm. that over the course of the first game, we were like, we're not even sure if we played a game or just you know taught ourselves how to mm. play it. Board game Twitter user, Isa Bassa, recently tweeted a quote from i don't remember who i think it was nabokov where like nabokov was basically you have to read a book more than once because the first time you're reading a book you're just learning how to read this book uh-huh. and then the next time you read it <laughs> and their point was like it's the same with board games you are you are first experiencing just how to play this board game and yeah, then you that's are a actually good analogy yeah very much for this game yeah for this game very much apt because it takes a game for it all to click together yeah it was halfway through the first game before i even understood what any of the bits did yeah well and that's important because so much of this game is well if i go on this space then this will happen and then i go on a different space another thing will happen but if i time them correctly Mm. you know then Mm. a lot of bonuses will suddenly explode and shower me with points or resources or yeah there's certainly Many, many different combinations. Like there is a spot on the military track that will give you points depending on how far up you are 
on the exploration track. So you mm. want to get as far up as you can before you hit that space, if that's what you're going for. Exactly. And there are many different spots like that on each track mm. where they interact with one of the mm. other tracks of the game. So and it incentivizes you to play up more than one track. Yeah, and there's no no set path. Essentially, I think what people will most frequently do in Tapestry is they'll pick two tracks that they're going to try and advance on. Yeah. Because you if 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 you kind of go halfway on everything, yeah. You're not going to get to the very high spots no. of the tracks which give no. you a lot of but- I mean, that could be a strategy because the resource costs are a lot lower mm-hmm. at the beginning of the track. So mm. maybe that is a kind of strategy. You just ignore everything at the ends. I guess. I don't know. We play, one, of our, one of the people who played with us, uh, our friend Andy, he tried to do that. And mm. it did not oh, that's end, true, actually. did not yeah. end well no. for him. <laughs> not, but maybe, maybe we, just, we, we were looking at it differently. Because here's the thing. So one of the... Uh, as always, a Stormare Games game comes in with a lot of controversy and some of it is to do with production. They don't print enough and then people really want it and then, oh no, it's been deliberately underprinted to create mm-hmm. hype. I don't believe that's necessarily a thing. But And there's been a lot with Tapestry, a lot of conversation about game balance and whether this mm. game is balanced or not. And some people saying, of course it's balanced. There's been a lot of you, you just haven't experienced it enough mm. yet to know because there's been a lot of work uh, that has been put in and some people saying, no, it's just wonky yeah, nonsense. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, but, but you have a theory about that. I have a theory about that and I think that... So I'm going to come out and say this mm. right now. I know that we haven't always gelled with Stone Mayer games. Mm. Games. We've been quite critical of his games. I think this is my favourite Jamie Stegmaier game. And I say that because... I think maybe he realized that he's not necessarily very good at creating very balanced strategy experiences. So he did what any sane person would do in that situation and really leaned into that, (laughs) right? Because this game is everywhere. It is... And by everywhere, I mean not physically, but, you know, mechanically. It's, It's just trying to do everything. And there's so many... Little factors that affect everything. Mm. I, I remember on our first play, you were like, well, if I was sitting on a different chair, yeah. you know, in this game, my game would be so much different. Yeah. And and I thought that was telling of just how many little factors there are in this game mm. that affect everything that you are trying to do. That it there, there is no way that everything can be accounted here. And I think that's the point. There's so much unpredictability. Yeah. That's baked into it. Yeah, and and I think Tapestry is very much a game that's a lot of empty calories, but those empty calories can be a lot of fun. They're it's delicious. Just, they, are, they are delicious. Like chocolate. We should yeah. have done the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should have definitely done the chocolate analogy. But there's there's a lot of serotonin, right, that <laughs> that that you get when you play Tapestry because if if you time things correctly... They will just bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. And I find that very satisfying. And uh, one of the most evident things uh, is is the myriad of different civilizations that you start the game with. Mm. And they're basically the asymmetrical part of the game where it says, well, you have this ability that no one else has. They all make sense, too. They, yeah, I, I think they're rather creative. But, I, you know, much like in something um, like Cosmic Encounter. Yeah. You know, there's there's nowhere near as many as in Cosmic Encounter, no. but they they affect the game 
in a very profound way mm-hmm. and how you're going to play it. Because some some of them certainly incentivize for you to go into different strategies. strategies. Yeah. So, for example, I, I played with... I can't remember what they're called. I think they're nomads. nomads. Yeah. So one of the things that they, they can do is, as we mentioned, there's a resource board that has a lot of little buildings. And as you build them, you get to put them on the polyomino bit. Uh, and uh, as you take them off, they unlock uh, different uh, bonuses, mm-hmm. uh, whether new resources that you're going to get or scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but what my faction was able to do was place them on the Mental. central board instead yeah. and then they kind of acted almost as outposts which meant that they increased the size of the area you have and if you place them on a location that already had an outpost you would get an extra resource mm-hmm. right so instead of diverting those buildings into one scoring opportunity which is the polyamino board yeah uh you divert them into a different scoring opportunity i thought okay so obviously i want to do a lot of military and a lot of exploration mm-hmm. because those are the two things that directly mm-hmm. interact with that but actually i ended up going on a different track i going i ended up going on exploration mm-hmm. but i also ended up going on the science track not exploring much of military at all and i still think i had a pretty good game you, did. you know and and it worked like it was a cohesive strategy that made sense so what i really like about tapestry i think is the exploration space that it produces. What do you mean by that? There's just so many different ways to engage Play with the game. game. Even even with the same faction that you've, if you're playing the same faction that you received, you can always go. Well, I want to try a different thing. I want to go in a different direction, a different path. Will yeah. that work? Probably. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you play it, you know, smart and you know, you know, a lot of the game is noticing different things on the board and what they do and how you can combine them together to produce a greater effect. Mm. Right, but th- this game is anything but linear. No, There's, yeah, yeah, it's like a spider web. It's like a tapestry. Yeah, of of yeah things you can do. And honestly, uh, the first game that we played of that, I was really tired, so it took me a while to get into it. Anyway, but I found that a little bit frustrating. That that my brain needs a kind of clear strategy, a clear path of what to do. Mm. um and to stick to it and but i couldn't do that i felt i really struggled to do that and everything just felt so all over the place but and i was so frustrated because i wanted to get this resource and i just couldn't it was impossible either either like i had that resource coming out of my ear rolls or it was impossible to get it but Mm. then the second game because i had that in mind already and i knew the game Mm. i enjoyed it a lot better because i worked with that do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and that's why I thought I we went sh- with that. Is yeah, what I mean, I, that's why I thought we should definitely try and play the game twice before even talking yeah. about it because so much of it is is just trying things and seeing what they do. Yeah, you know, in that vast vast play space. Yeah, I had a very different experience on that second playthrough from the first mm. one. Mm. I think a lot of people also got really caught up on on the theming and whether Tapestry represents the civilization game experience, Mm. you know, like from the computer game Civ and the 4X Mm. experience. It feels weird to say, but that never mattered to me much. No. Do you know what I mean? I I don't... Like, we already have a lot of games that Mm. create that experience. So... And a lot of games that try to boil it down and make it streamlined. It's nice to see a civilization game that approaches it 
from a different angle. Mm. You know, there's a theme that is that same theme. And it's very much... And again, a frequent criticism is that it's very anachronistic. You know, there's a lot of... Well, yeah, you can go from like making fire to finding penicillin to making a robot or whatever. <laughs> well, so, so my very first... The story of my very first civilization, uh-huh. right, was that they started with from making fire straight into capitalism, mm. right? Just mm. exploit whatever, whatever area it is that we're living, right? Mm. And clearly when capitalism was done, right... We went into the age of discovery. Let's uh, find other areas, yeah. right? Maybe it's like yeah. alternate realities. But, but 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 then but then you know it was just like oh let's end on pirates. It's just yeah, piracy yeah. all the way, right? Like we've discovered all the places. Uh-huh. Now now let's. F- we've done capitalism. Yeah. That didn't work. Yeah. Let's do piracy. Yeah, let's do piracy, right? It's it's anarchy all the way down now. Mm. If we're talking about the grandfather of the the yeah. Sid Meier civilization yeah, yeah, yeah. game, oh, yeah. that has never been you know not anachronistic it's always had no, these weird sure. you know even even one of those famous bugs uh in civ 1 it's actually people make games did a really interesting video about how that bug might not even exist right, right? uh but it might just be a myth but there's this very famous bug in the first civilization game where the the ai that controls gandhi suddenly starts going nuclear and like just warring with everyone and you know uh developing nuclear bombs and nuking everything and you know so it's never it's never been representative of history and actually one of the cornerstones of the civilization the Sid Meier civilization mm-hmm. theme that I've seen is that it's history your way it's a hodgepodge thing mm-hmm. right yeah exactly and I think I think tapestry just leans into that just goes yeah you know it's the never, tap- sorry yeah the tapestry cards you play are going to be random, they're going to be drawn from the deck, mm. and they're going to be hodgepodge, and that's part of the fun, mm. you know? It's it's not supposed to be representative of our Earth history from, you know, cavemen to now. Yeah. It's just supposed to be, like, these are all the things that we've done. Just because we as a civilization did it in this order, it doesn't mean that someone else may have done it in a different way. Yeah, and that is... Honestly, thematically, the appealing part for me. Mm. Because it's only sometimes it's literally random discoveries where someone asks for thinner and thinner and thinner chips until suddenly crisps are invented. Do you know what I mean? But it didn't necessarily have to be at that point in history. It could have been any time in history. That's the fun of storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. I think tapestry is going to appeal to a lot of people, but it's definitely not going to appeal to people who do worry about things like game balance because that certainly that certainly goes out the window yeah. right yeah because the the starting civilizations are totally different and some are clearly stronger than others it's just not that they're different again I'm, i want to go back to that point where so one of our friends was in our first game was playing with the futurists and yeah. the futurists meant well they start further on every track you know they don't get any of the bonuses that they surpassed when mm. they started the game and because they're further on the tracks each advancement on the track is more expensive. Yeah. So that's that's the but idea. But they don't start with any more resources. Yeah. So how do they balance that? That's the idea of the civilization. But what it does to the other players is because they're further on the tracks, there are these technology cards. And technology cards are things that you can invent. And when you invent them, mm. if you put time into that, you'll get bonuses. Mm. But that matters to other players who are adjacent mm. to the futurists. Because 
uh, the technology prerequisites often say if you or the direct adjacent neighbors to you have done this are at this certain point yeah, on this track then you can invent this yeah and you were the one who leaned into technology as a game right. but you were the only person not sitting next to that person right. so you were like if i was sitting anywhere else but on this chair i would have been doing so much better and my game would have yeah. been so much easier you know so there's a lot of that where it's not that it's just game balance like, like let's put game balance aside uh-huh. it's just circumstance and there's so much circumstance in tapestry that i think a lot of people will just bounce off of it and be frustrated by it right mm. now it doesn't bother me so much again like i think if you go into the game with that in mind mm-hmm. then it won't bother you as much mm. but one thing that does bother me is actually so there's a whole story of um there's no way there's no way of uh describing these uh-huh. in the podcast uh-huh. so you might just have to uh, google yourself tapestry buildings uh-huh. and see an image of these buildings so, so the whole idea apparently jamie stegmeyer saw uh, this person making these plasticine or clay buildings that looked so pretty that he decided he had to design a game around them and ironically that's the one part i think should be definitely cut out of this game because the so Let's take a moment to just ignore the fact that they could have been replaced with, you know, polyamino cardboard tiles, Mm -hmm. which a lot of other games do. Mm -hmm. And you could have had a lot of more different interesting shapes Mm. uh, to make a more interesting spatial puzzle. Because Mm -hmm. one of the puzzles of the game is placing these big plastic buildings, all these small buildings that you take from your player board uh, uh, on the polyamino board and blocking off as many spaces so you can make direct rows of columns Right. And points. there are certain points that you can't go on that yeah. board that are blocked off for you already. Yeah. So that's the only portion that these big plastic buildings, which were modeled after the original clay buildings that were sculpted, mm. that perform. You just take a thing and you just put it on the board. Mm. And instead of being a cardboard tile, it's a n- nice 3D mm. thing. Let's take that aside. That That's the entire function that it performs in the game. Mm. So, my problem is that this, to me, does not feel like a $100 game. Mm. This feels like a $60 game Mm. that had about $40 slapped onto it because of the big plastic buildings, Mm. right? But even that aside, I was really frustrated that the bases of these buildings don't match <laughs> no they don't the the spaces that you're meant to put them in perfectly square yeah not perfectly like lined mm. so they have wonky edges like like bobbly edges so you can't necessarily exactly tell how many squares they fill up yeah and they easily. don't reach out to the edges as well no and even knowing that even knowing that on my second game i was caught out by that a couple yeah. of times and I found it incredibly frustrating. Mm. But even putting that aside, I don't think these buildings look like they belong in a civilization game. Because some of them are like rockets, like space towers or whatever, so they look fairly futuristic. Yeah. But all the other ones look like buildings from like a train station from a Playmobil set whatever. in the 70s, mm. you know, of, of a city so, or a town somewhere in England, you know. This is mm. the police station. This mm. is the hospital. This is the barn. Okay. <laughs> you know, they don't look in any way evocative of the journey through history that you're taking. No, and they, they clash so much with the artwork on, like, the rest of the yeah. boards and the player boards and everything else that it's it 
is because a little bit odd. The Andrew Bosley artwork, mm. I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly, fantastic, mm. isn't it? The tapestry yeah, looks, it looks superb, really good. right? It's it's an excellent looking game. And I imagine that if if those buildings were polyaminal tiles, mm. they would have been beautiful, mm. right? And they would have been potentially... And functional. Yeah, and functional, a lot more evocative of the theme. And would have made the game, hopefully, significantly cheaper. And mm. take up less space and be less wasteful. Just, mm. I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan of this key cornerstone of the game that apparently inspired the entire game. Yeah, the pieces would look pretty on your mantelpiece, but they don't necessarily add anything. As a kind of a twee English mantelpiece thing, because they have this <laughs> yes. they have this very Ardmanesque quality to them, because... Because they look like they're made of clay. Yeah. They, they don't look like cheap plastic, which is nice. Yeah, and I think that's actually astounding, because I think some people are going to find these pieces very hit and miss mm. because they are painted and the general, mm. you know, sort of, oh, well, it's pre-painted miniatures, so it never really pops. And you could definitely spend some time if you wanted to make them... Washing it. And yeah, whatever, washing yeah. it and whatever. But I think that would detract from the claymation-like quality, mm. you know, uh, that that looks very English, very twee, and, mm. and, and quite pleasing, honestly. It, mm. But no way do they fit this game. No, I think you're right. And although it's such small part of the game because it's they don't really do anything apart from taking up space, which is what they're supposed to do. Mm. Saying that the whole game was based around this one thing yeah. gives them a, a, a bigger significance. I know. Um, I just... and, and they're just a little bit unnecessary. It's like, I, I think I wish he would have just gone, these are great, but we won't use these. Yeah. Like, this is my inspiration for it. Yeah. But I'm not going to use those mm. um, because they are awkward. And I mean, it's fine. It's fine to have. Do you know, as as someone who is, hopefully, I'm allowed to say this, a creative person, right, mm -hmm. and definitely makes artistic decisions from time to time, mm -hmm. I I do have that itch. No, this is what you know. I want to keep this. Yeah, personally, right. Right. I want to have it. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's fine, but but I feel like it's it's the entry cost into this game, mm. right, that is ultimately detrimental because it, it mm. must up it so much because mm. they're quite big pieces and there's a lot of them and it makes the box bigger more expensive to ship and yeah so on and on and on but that aside i think you're right i, I think i prefer this to side i think this is probably my favorite jamie stegmaier game i mean there are games that are nothing alike but in comparison right. to his other games right. yeah well because after the first play you you didn't feel like that at all you felt like you enjoyed viticulture and scythe more but then you played it a second time and you clicked? Yeah, because after the first game, I went, well, this is wonky nonsense. This yeah. is awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was really mad at the game for... Uh, I felt like it was trying to be cleverer than me. And that always bothers me in a game where um, if I make a mistake in a game or I've misplayed something or I've just not sequenced well and I'm, I do poorly because of that, then that's on me. And I felt like... I'd done good things, but the game had gone, aha, you can't get this resource or you can't do this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that frustrated me. But as I said, in the second game, because I knew that there is that element of wonkiness, my whole game plan was based around my starting faction. Yes. And when I kind of thought, okay, this is only an element of the game rather than this is my strategy. Yes. I think I enjoyed it a lot 
better because I wasn't hung up so much on having to do this, these things, these particular things. So I kind of just went with the flow of the game more. And even though I, I think I did worse in my second game than I did in the first game, but um, I definitely enjoyed it more because I feel like I was exploring more things within the game. It's it's like a giant sandbox and it's someone like left me with a lot of toys that most of them are, you know, those bouncy balls. Those uh-huh. are the toys. And I really like bouncy balls a lot. Uh-huh. And and there are a lot of walls that these bouncy balls very spring off very well. And someone left me in that room and said, you go nuts, boy. I and- feel like there are bits of the sandbox that the cat pooped in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't want to rummage around that sandbox and accidentally find the poop. Like... There, there might be treasure in uh, parts of it. There might be buried treasure. Some of that wonkiness really bounced off of you, basically, is I what you're so. saying. To further the bouncing so. analogy. I think so. That's interesting. I, yeah, no, I, I do want to keep exploring it. And I, I do find it interesting. I uh, would definitely play it again. If you said, okay, let's let's play this again, I I wouldn't have any problem with that. But but you're I'm, not itching for it. No, yeah. I, I'm not okay, desperate to play so, it again. So this is, okay, this is definitely more an endorsement from me than from Elaine. Yeah. But I, I feel like I should warn, just as I've illustrated, mm. that there are just some things that people will immediately bounce off of. Mm. Because as much as it is a recommendation from me, there are just things that will potentially infuriate you. Mm. And I think that's worth knowing. But otherwise, I thought Tapestry was quite fun. It was quite interesting. In, in a sort of a, you know, well, let what if we just go zany? What if we just mm-hmm. put that whole balance thing aside? This is a strategy game, but let's put that balance thing aside and let's just see what kind of zany things can happen as we go along on four tracks of the game. Talking about four tracks, mm. our four tracks about four board games are now done. Wow. I know. Train tracks, board game tracks. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Chocolate um, tracks track no what do you call them well conveyor belt conveyor tracks. belt tracks yeah and doomsday laser tracks yes there we go the the four tracks that yeah. everyone knows there's another track that you could visit that track is no pun included dot com slash podcast as you're racing along that track you could gently leave a comment uh on on our podcast page and see whether say whether you enjoyed any of these games or you're looking forward to them or if you have anything you want to say to us we're gladly here to listen our mailbag is very thin please send <laughs> please send if if you want us to read out a question on the podcast please send it to fk at no pun included dot com and uh, I'll make sure to put it into the next podcast and me and Elaine will answer it but until then why don't you say goodbye Elaine Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.